This is the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. Yes, that was a nice uh, dramatic pause, I think. Or it was useless. Whatever. Either way, I enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it as well. But this was a big week of wrestling. A lot of great, great stuff. This weekend, we had... Stardom's Tokyo Dream Cinderella show, which had my match of the year on it. We had Guyism. We had SmackDown. Friday Night AEW Dynamite. Some stuff from Raw. A huge NXT. And we're previewing Hell in a Cell. So, you know, as I like to say, sit back, relax, and enjoy this wonderful Meaningful podcast, because I I already know you will. Let's start off with SmackDown. So, for, you know, weeks now, I was wondering, will they go with Roman Reigns versus an Uso brother yet again? Because to me, the story was building that way in uh, the past few months. Once Jimmy came back... There was a certain amount of adjustments needing to be made on both sides because Roman expected Jimmy to just fall right back in line behind him with Jay, just like Jay did after the Hell in a Cell match because Roman's already been through this with both of them. Roman put Jimmy in a headlock in that Hell in a Cell match, which ultimately led to Jey Uso joining him and becoming the right-hand man. So I thought if Jimmy's not going to fall in line, that's what's going to happen here. We're going to go to a Hell in a Cell match. Perhaps he puts the title on the line, and that's that. But that's not where we're going. I think the match we are getting is just as good because I think the story here is also fantastic. So the direction we're going is Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against Rey Mysterio inside Hell in a Cell. This came from last week where Roman attacked Dominic relentlessly. He wasn't holding back. He was brutalizing him. He would not stop beating him down. Rey Mysterio was defenseless, and this led to Rey coming on the show, and he said, he beat up my boy, and... I know I may lose this match. I know I may not have a chance in this match. But I have to stand up for my child. 
And really, that's good storytelling in my eyes because that's what a father would do. And on Father's Day, this match will happen. That's when this match will happen. It's just good storytelling, ladies and gentlemen. It's very good storytelling. Um, Also on SmackDown, Jey Uso walked off. He left both Jimmy and Roman pissed after being in the middle of both of them. So there's more story there, too. And I wonder what they decide on because, to me, to me, it's difficult to think they don't do the Roman and Jimmy match. I think somewhere down the road you have to do it. Maybe Money in the Bank. Maybe that's where you do it. I just, I'm wondering where you pull that trigger because it feels, it feels too good to not happen. And I can't see where the story goes unless Roman and Jimmy face off. Uh, the one last thing I wanted to touch on from SmackDown, and really um, we'll touch on one thing from Raw and then get into the preview for Hell in a Cell later on, but Otis is being built like Vader. He's doing the big splash from the top. He's doing the Vader bomb. He shaved his beard off. He's just an absolute monster as part of Chad Gable's academy. And personally, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's the best way to go with Otis, just making him this monster. And eventually that's going to lead to him probably saying, I don't need you anymore, Gable. He'll probably destroy him. I think that's the best way to go with Otis. Because Otis may be short in stature, but this man's built like a tank. And he has the background to be an absolute force. I'm really liking what they're doing with him. Because to me, his potential can be a world champion. If you build him right, he can be a world champion. I think they're going down the right path right now. Now, this is WWE. I won't get my hopes up. But I'm enjoying what they're doing with him. Uh, let's join. Let's jump into AEW Friday Night Dynamite because this is really um, the one show that, to me, it was fine. I don't have too much from it. Uh, Christian Cage. This was something I noticed. He's kind of flat. Ever since he signed, he kind of feels flat to me. In AEW, it's really interesting because they hyped it up as such a big signing, and I know things happen, so it's changed the way they've been able to use him. But he's a former world champion. They probably signed him to a lucrative contract. He's wrestling, but he's doing nothing of meaning. And if that's because they're saving a potential Omega versus Cage match, that's great. But I think starting to pick up some big wins, not over just the likes of a Frankie Kazarian or Angelico, is really important. And I'd like to see them start doing that. Death Triangles Pack and Penta El Zero Miedo uh, teamed up with Eddie Kingston reluctantly to take on the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. This match was grand. Uh, as expected, the reluctant tag team worked really well together. I think there was a beautiful story told on television that I feel like you know, you can't complain about because, you know, for all AEW's faults, they have the some of the best storytellers in professional wrestling. Eddie Kingston's one of them. I think Pac's one of them. And I think Pentagon did a phenomenal job in this. 
So, as the match began, Pac did not want to tag Eddie in. He wanted nothing to do with Eddie. And Penta, who's friends with Eddie, you know, was the guy in the middle. He was the guy in the middle. He was trying to make it work, but as the match went on and Pac needed his help, they started to come together, and that's really where I think this match kicked off, got better and better as it went on. And I was a big fan of that because, to me, you know, the Young Bucks are doing great work as the heels, and sometimes I come on here and complain, but that's because that's what I'm supposed to do. They're the heels. They're doing a great job. I think they're doing far better now than they have ever done in their AEW time so far. I think they've really found their roles, and I'm reading their book right now, and this is clearly the heel gimmick that they mastered while in Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, uh, while in New Japan, while, you know, they've rarely used it in Ring of Honor, but those two specifically, and I can feel that as we watch more and more. It's so interesting because I'm reading the book now, and they're doing it on television every single week, and it's just great. It's just great. They're being heels, doing it well, um, and I thought this match was good. Death Triangle and Eddie ended up winning as they pinned Brandon Cutler. But I'm still awaiting the point where we find the direction for Death Triangle. I think this is where we're going. There's something here, and I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. I hope Phoenix can come back soon. Uh, Miro versus Evil Uno. They did a great Brody, uh, Brody Lee package before the match because anytime the Dark Order has a match for the TNT Championship, it's special. And I think the day that John Silver likely wins that title will be a special moment. I think he has to be the one. I just, you know, I feel like that's going to be the story down the line. Uh, Miro pretty much destroyed Evil Uno. Uh, he's going by the final boss now. Great nickname. And, you know, he won. Kenny and Jungle Boy had a great, great segment here where Jungle Boy showed that he's not out of his element. He can do this, and I think I think that's important because Jungle Boy's a guy who's had some big wins here and there, but when it comes to the big win, he hasn't fared well, and I don't think he's going to beat Kenny, but this feud has clearly been what, it, what you need to boost him to the next level. And if they picked him to be the guy to beat Miro... I wouldn't be against that. I think that would make a lot of sense as this Jungle Boy is probably the most over person with the fans right now. Even more than Hangman, I think. And I think that we're going to come to a time where Hangman's back at being that number one babyface in the company. But Jungle Boy is over. People love him. And I think this is the best possible match to give him, even though he's not going to win. Uh, the Anything else on AEW saw, you know, Team Taz... They're on the fence, you know, hit Brian Cage and Ricky Starks aren't liking each other, so they're building to the breakup. Uh, I think you keep Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks with Taz. Brian Cage can go off on his own, but I don't. I wouldn't break up all Team Taz because I like the potential of Team Taz. Maybe you have someone replace Brian Cage. I'm not sure, but that's where I'm at right now. But that's really all I have for AEW. We have another Friday show this week. The next week will be the Saturday night live show where Jungle Boy takes on Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. And then after that, I believe AEW is on the road. 
starting in Miami. I think that's when they officially leave Daly's place. So lots of exciting things coming up for AEW. They announced the uh, two-night Fighter Fest show, which will be one week and then two weeks. While... Let me think. And then Fight for the Fallen will be one week. Um, as we move towards All Out, they also announced the big stadium show in New York this uh, this coming September. So, like I said, big things coming up for AEW. It's a very exciting time. Hopefully their Dynamites can get back to the level. I think that's what they're waiting for. They're just waiting for going on the road before they start giving us the big stuff, which is fine. You can't have a, you can't have a Grand Slam show every week. I think that's important to remember. Um, but... You know, let's get on to the stuff that I really want to talk about. I'm going to review tech, uh, just the main event of TakeOver because, I don't know, I'm kind of over it. But what I'm really excited to talk about is the Stardom Tokyo Dream Cinderella show and Gaiaism's main event. So, let's just let's just dive right in. Let's just dive right into Stardom's show um, because I thought it was maybe one of the best shows all year. Had the best match of the year. It was just a home run all around for everyone involved for this show. So Stardom Tokyo Dream Cinderella. A show I've been hyped for for two months now. I mean, it feels like it's been forever because Japan had their state of emergency. So the show had to be postponed back nearly um, a full month. And... It's resulted in Yokohama Dream Cinderella in summer being only about three weeks away. So, in that aspect, it's great because, hey, we're going to have another pay-per-view. But, it resulted in the Cinderella tournament being extended just forever. So, let's get into that because, really, to me, that is the biggest part of this. Despite a world championship main event, that still has me thinking about. So, the first match of the night on the card was Unagi Sayaka versus Micah, with a chance to move on to the finals of the Cinderella tournament. The beautiful part of this tournament is anything can happen. And while Micah and Saya made the most sense, I still had that small possibility in me that, you know what? Unagi could win this match. You, That's the beauty of the over-the-top aspect. And they played it up very well here. This match wasn't the best match of the night. It was probably the... I'm not going to say worst because it wasn't bad, but it was the it was the bottom of the top matches. They battled back and forth. Unagi was able to get a good amount of her offense. She even approached Micah for her new finish. But she couldn't get her out. Micah was able to get out of it. Ultimately, Micah walked away with the win. Again, to me, it was a good opener, fine opener. I would have probably went with Saya and Hameka as the opener because I just thought it was the better match. But this did what it needed to do. Micah looked like an absolute boss, which is always a blast. Unagi continues to show improvement, I think, every single 
outing. And really, to me, that's all I need to hear. That's all I need to see. That's all I need to hear. Like, it's it's just, it was good to see them built. And seeing that these two, I would say, you know, still need a great dance partner in the ring to have a top-notch match, I thought they did pretty good. Next up was the Saya Kamatani versus Hameka match, which Hameka was out for a month. She's now going to be out for another month or two. Um, after this match, so she clearly wasn't fully healthy, but she came back and had a great outing with Saya. Saya has been on another level since her match with Utami at All-Star Dream Cinderella. Absolute other level. So, it was no shock to me that she had not one, but two great matches in the same night. Her and Hermeka had really good chemistry in there. This is a potential, you know, world title match down the line. It really is. And Saya showed to me that she's getting to the point where she can actually uh, start carrying some matches. I thought the mix of High Flyer versus Powerhouse was great. It it wasn't as good as, you know, the Utami and Saya match, but I thought it was great. And... Ultimately, the Star Crusher won it for Saya, who was able to beat Hameka and move on to the final. So, what's notable here is both winners had pinfall victories, which I, I, I respect this late in the tournament. You don't necessarily want the over-the-top rope finish to determine the winner of or the finalist of a Cinderella in you know the last match. So, I thought that was a great little touch um, by Stardom to have that go that way let's get to the uh jumbled tag team uh originally it was supposed to be momo oz versus julia natsupoi versus tam and mina it ended up being julia and tam versus azumi and natsupoi versus momo and mina I thought this was you know just one of the most fun matches you can watch all the year it wasn't about the work inside the ring, it was just about the comedy aspect. Momo and Mina were hysterical together. Momo even went for Mina's pose. She got absolutely destroyed on the outside by Mina when she went into the ropes. Um, what else was great? The idea that Julia and Tam had a team up. They started absolutely wailing on each other in this match. They just still hate each other. Nothing has changed from their rivalry, which was awesome. And in the end, Azumi and Poi were the only two that could uh, really team together long enough and like each other. And that's where we ultimately got the win, as Azumi was able to pick up the pinfall over Mina, which was grand. Um, after the match, Azumi was like, you know, Poi... Love to uh, team again. Then she ran. She just took off with the money. She was like, yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, she's there. It was just so much fun. If Azumi and Poi ever wanted to team again, I wouldn't complain. Unfortunately, Poi is also going to be out for likely the next month due to an injury, I believe, to her ankle, if I'm not mistaken. But this was a lot of fun and more of this. More of this. I, I like when... The factions, you know, they go inside a little bit. Because, to me, it's a good, fresh change. 
it allows them to play different roles. It allows them to have fun. You know, if you listen to Stardom Quest, which is a very grand possibility, they they were able to touch on how, especially at the house shows, this would be grand because the house shows at times feel way too serious. And that's probably why a lot of these injuries are adding up. And that was a big thing this week because both Poi Hameka are out for the next month or so. Jungle Kiona's been out. Ida's out. Hameka was out for a month before that. The injuries are adding up for Star. And people were like, well, there's other companies that wrestle more. Well, he- listen to me. That's true. But Stardom's house style compared to Ice Ribbon's house style compared to New Japan's house style is very different. Stardom doesn't slow down. Their matches, they go 100% all the time. There's no off switch from Mayu Iwatani. There's none. Absolutely zero. There's no off switch for any of them. So when they do these house shows... They're giving it their best every single time. And I think if you bring in these comedy matches, not only can you bring down the seriousness and the ability, but you can still bring the same sort of excitement and entertainment that you want to give at a house show like this. So to me, doing more of this while you know giving a chance for the wrestlers to not have to go 100%, Every single night that you have a show is very important. And it's just, it's more enjoyable. So, more of this 100% all the time, please. This was grand. It didn't really matter who ended up winning. To me, it was a matter of just how were they able to deliver with the different teams. And I thought they delivered beautifully. Next on the ledger was the... Stars versus the Waito Tai All Out War. Stars had Rin Katakura of Marvelous join them, and I thought she added a lot to the match. I thought she wrestled one of her finest, actually, that I've seen her do. She was very high paced. She was fitting in just like a glove. It's it's interesting to me, like because you know, to me, Marvelous has this immense amount of talent in such a small roster and really you can plug in anyone anywhere and they're going to deliver that's the unbelievable part but I thought Rin you know she fits really well into stars so while she's not an official member she is a member um, of that group this was far better than their first match and I was for sure that Fukujin Death was just going to switch back over, but that was not the case. Ren Katakura ultimately eliminated her, and the final two uh, on each side ended up being Mayu Iwatani, Starlight Kid, versus Natsuko Tora, and Saki Kashima. Through the ability of cheating, they were able to eliminate Mayu, and the ultimate... Final two was Starlight Kid versus Tora. 
And part of me kept thinking, oh, my God, they're going to switch Toro over to Starts. That's incredible. This is going to be kind of insane. This is going to be a really different vibe. But that that wasn't the case. Um, Toro hit two Death Valley drivers on Kid in the middle of the ring. Sat right on her as she looked at Mayu in the corner who was weeping and crying as she was tied up trying to save kid kid was down kid was out one two three starlight kid was gone from stars just like that the mk sisters were broken and she was going to have to join oedo oedo tie and tora just looked like an absolute boss in this moment which for me, was something I've been waiting for because she's one of the best and Oedo Tai is finally getting this immense push, it feels like, and she has to be at the head of that. She pinned Kid. Kid was crying. Mayu was crying. It was a broken moment. And I instantly just feared... What is happening? Because my biggest thing was no matter what, do not break up the MK sisters. I don't care what else happens. And that's what happened. The MK sisters were establishing themselves as the best team in the company. They were having fantastic match after fantastic match. And they just lost. It was over. And I, I was just stunned looking, wondering what's next. And I guess that's the exciting part also, though. They went with something different. They didn't go with the expected Fukujin death. They changed it up. They threw a curveball. And now there's a story to be told here. So while I didn't love it, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. It's got to be good. That's all I'm saying. It's got to be good. Following this match was the Cinderella Tournament Finals. Saya Kamatani would face off with Micah in what was the second best match of the night. I thought these two had a grand, grand back and forth. I thought, you know, Kamatani, again, was on the top of her game. And I think her and Micah have such good chemistry that you know this is a future title match because their rivalry which began last year, was just shining through here. It's as if, you know, they didn't lose a beat. And in the end, Kamatani hit the Phoenix Splash, as Alex predicted last week, to get the win. And my goodness, was this a Phoenix Splash. This was the best Phoenix Splash she has ever hit. Best I've ever seen by her. She hit it perfectly. It was picture-perfect. One, two, three. She had her moment uh, to conclude the night. She had her Cinderella moment where she came out in the special green dress, which was fantastic. I liked that they, you know, went out of their way not to give her a blue dress, but gave her the special green dress. She had the plaque. She picked Tam as her next challenge, which has already been made official for Yokohama Dream Cinderella in summer. And that match is going to be phenomenal. Saya is, you know, 
I'm going to get to the main event in a second. Saya is such a star. And you got to understand, like, why they're pushing her to the moon. She does things that no one else in that company can do. She can fly off the top. She can bring it. She's just an absolute star, and this was her crowning moment. I don't think she needs to beat Tam to have the brightest of futures. I think she's well on her way already, but my goodness, was this awesome. It was just a great match with a great ending, a great way to conclude the pay-per-view. But what this pay-per-view will be talked about for a lifetime is the main event of the evening. The World of Stardom Championship on the line as Utami Hayashida defends against Shiri. What a fucking match. This not only is my match of the year, but this is one of the best matches I have ever seen. 43 minutes they went. 43 in every single moment of this match meant something. If you follow me on Twitter, at Scotty Wrestling, you know that I have written a very full-length article for Voices of Wrestling based off this match alone and what it represents moving on in the future. This match was what stardom needed to grow in a worldwide sense. Everyone was talking about this match. Everyone is still talking about this match. I compared it to the Okada Omega match from Wrestle Kingdom, the original. That changed everything for New Japan worldwide. And this, this, I think is what does that for stardom. Utami Hayashishida is everything you want in your top star. Absolutely everything. The decision to make her the top star was the best decision they could have made. Not only does she carry herself with this unrivaled star power and presence from the moment her music hits, the way she walks down to the ring, everything, everything feels important. But the way she's able to deliver in the ring in these big matches is what sets her from the rest. This match firmly, firmly put her in the conversation of the absolute best wrestler in the world. This was the only five-star match I have given this year. And it's probably, I don't know how you top it. I don't. And I'm giving a lot of love to Tommy, but it would be very wrong of me to just skip over Siri. What Siri was able to do here was show the world how great she is. She was the veteran. She carries this fantastic aura in herself. I went on record to write she might be Joshi's most legitimate star right now. 
Hell, she has a past in the UFC. She has a win in the UFC. And now she's here in stardom. She's debatably Donna Del Mondo's leader. Her and Julia are at the very top. She holds two belts. And she was the opponent that Utami could not beat. Shuri has been protected unlike maybe anyone in stardom over the since she joined. Her two pinfall losses since joining stardom. Azumi in the five star. Mayu Iwatani in a World of Stardom championship match. That's it. That's it. And her other two singles losses were both in the Cinderella tournament where she was eliminated over the top rope by Julia in 2020 and Unagi this year. That's it for singles losses. Otherwise, they have been draws or wins. And these two, from the moment the bell rang, told a story that can't be touched. Utami's the world champion. And Siri knows how much this match means to her. Herself. You could see it in her entrance. There was emotion. There were legitimate emotions on Sherry's face. She was determined. But at the same time, you could see like this was this was the one. She had to win this one. A lot was riding on that. And back to Tommy, she was so calm and collected. Despite having her doubts, she was calm and collected. And these two held nothing back in these 43 minutes. You know, telling a story for 43 minutes is not an easy situation. At all. But that's what they did. That's what they did. And the beauty was... The beginning of the match displayed Siri's dominance that a lot of this feud has seen. Where Siri gets the number of Utami. Utami just can't get over it. You know, the majority of the first 20 minutes was Siri's. But Utami just has this immense resiliency. This championship quality to keep fighting back. The meshing of the striker versus the powerhouse was Fantastic. There was a turning point in the match where Siri went for the soccer, uh, diving soccer kick on the outside. Utami moved. She wiped out. That was the moment that this match went from a dominant one-sided affair to right down the middle. Siri continuously worked the arm of Utami, but she would not let that stop her. Utami worked the leg of Siri, but Siri wouldn't let that stop her. There were so many moments in these first 30 minutes that it didn't feel like 30 minutes. It felt like 10. This match flew. That's how good this was. That's when you know a match is great. If it flies by, you don't even notice. 
as they're tossing forearms at the end. You don't realize the 30 minutes are up. They just fall and then they look at each other and they start fighting again. Even after the match is over with a draw, a 30-minute time limit draw, they announce that this match is going to continue and for 13 more minutes these two brutalized each other. The match ended when they were giving the absolute best Whatever they had left in the tank, both of them. Siri hit a spinning back fist. Utami was clubbing, clubbing Siri with um, the inside of her forearms. And ultimately, in the end, Utami even hit the BT bomb. But Siri was able to grab the rope. And that's when I started to think, oh, well, maybe Siri's going to win this. But when we got to that final exchange when there were the forearms to the head via like it was literally like clubbing and I just asked myself is this going to end how is this going to end and Siri was closing in on the win she would hit the buzzsaw kick fall to the mat one two three four five Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. A double KO draw. They gave everything they had in those 43 minutes. Every single thing. They had no more left in the tank. And that's where the match ended. It was perfect. As close to perfect as you can have in a wrestling match. And I said earlier, the world was talking about it. Mike Ramondi from ESPN. Tom Lawler of New Japan and MLW. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. The list goes on and on of how many people were talking about this match. Because it was special. Because it was important. And it's one of the best I've ever seen. I said earlier, if you have, if you had any doubts of Utami at the top of the mountain, you don't anymore. If you have any doubts of Siri as a worldwide elite, best in the world potential competitor, you don't have that doubt anymore. This match was massive for those two as they helped establish each other and thus also establishing stardom as this incredible brand. This incredible promotion where it's only just the beginning for them. Ten years in and they are about to hit this massive boom. And I cannot wait to be a part of it. After the match, Natsuko Tora walked out. Utami wasn't really there, but she put laid down the challenge and it will be official. At Yokohama Dream Cinderella, we already have three matches on the card. It will be... The World of Stardom Championship on the line is Utami defending against Natsuko Tora in what's likely to be the main event. Tam Nakano will defend the Wonder of Stardom Championship against Saya Kamatani. And the Futures of Title will be on the line as the tournament will come to a conclusion as Unagi Sayaka faces off with Mina Shirakawa. Those are the three big matches. And there's definitely a chance that we get some sort of... Momoaz match there. We could get 
Momo Oz versus Julia and Micah. We could get Momo versus Julia, which is something they've been building to. That's what I would go with. There's a lot of potential here. You know, with Hameka and Natsupoi likely both out of that event, that seems like a tag match that would make a lot of sense. Then you have you have to find something with for Mayu. And it's going to be interesting because Tora is out of it. And Mayu needs to find her footing now with stars down to three members once again. She brought back Kagama to help her. And it still wasn't enough. Now it's down to three. Maybe Juggle Kion is coming back. We'll see this coming weekend. It'll be the first event since Starlight Kid left. And they'll be fighting. It'll be Mayu, Kagama, and Hanan versus, I believe, Tora, Konami, and Starlight Kid. That might be a little wrong on the Oedo Tai side. I'm not sure, but kids in that match. And I'm just excited. I'm just excited because there's so much going well for stardom. And I just absolutely adored this event and especially this match. So why don't we talk further now? Let's get on to Gaiism. And I'm only going to talk about... The main event here because this main event was phenomenal. Some people call it their match of the year. I totally respect that. It's one of the best all year. Sendai Girls versus Marvelous for the AAAW World Title Tag Team Titles, as well as the Sendai Girls World Title and Tag Team Titles, I believe. All the gold. The Sendai Girls team consisted of Micah Iwata. Chihiro Hashimoto and the X Dash Chisaka, which just made all the sense in the world. The X on the Marvelous side was Mei Hashizuki alongside Mio Momono and Rin Katakura. And my goodness, this match was an elimination match and it was phenomenal. The closing stretch between Mio and Hashimoto was some of the best wrestling you will see all year. The intensity the speed the feeling the seriousness everything to me was so important in this match it was truly truly important from beginning to end and really to me that was the beauty of it all it looked like Mio was going to steal the win Hashimoto lives and you can see in the background, there's a phenomenal photo going around. When Hashimoto hits that final German suplex, Mio lands right on her head. You can see Takumi Aroha turning around in sadness because this was the chance for Marvelous to get gold. And they just couldn't do it. Hashimoto had too much. Hashimoto pinned Mio in the middle of the match. In what, if they weren't stars before, they're definitely stars now. I think they were stars before. But Mio, Mio Momono, simply put, is one of the pound-for-pound pound best wrestlers in the world. And if you saw this match, you get it. But Hashimoto is like that final boss. It's going to take a special someone to come and take gold from her. And we already have learned who. After this match, it was revealed 
that Takumi Aroha wants the AAAW title. She got in the face of Hashimoto. She announced that her return will be on July 19th at Marvelous's 5th anniversary show. And you know, you know the match with Hashimoto's coming. That will be one of the biggest matches of the year. I cannot wait. Takumi Roja is one of my favorites. And I just can't wait to watch her back in action. But this show was amazing. Both of these shows were amazing. If you love wrestling, watch both of them. Because I thought they were true magic and true greatness from beginning to end. Now... Let's. We are only touching on a few things from NXT um, and Raw. Raw saw the debut of Eva Marie, or re-debut. She had Piper Niven alongside her. Piper Niven destroyed Naomi, pinfall, and it was announced that Eva Marie was the winner. So that's a thing. Um, on NXT, NXT was a far better as Samoa Joe made his return. After being released in April, people wondered, where will Samoa Joe go? He went right back to NXT. He's the official like enforcer almost of William Regal, but he was so good. The music hit. He got on Cross's face. He said, tick-tock, young champion, to Cross. He put Adam Cole to sleep. He got in the face of Pete Dunne. There was so much instantly made from this first night. Samoa Joe is one of kind. He's one of the best of all time for a reason. And this role is perfect. They said he can't wrestle, but my God, he is going to wrestle. Here, You heard it from me first. That is going to happen. There's no way he doesn't. Um, let's just review TakeOver here real quick. There wasn't... Too much to talk about, really. I just want to talk about the main event between Karrion Cross, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano, and Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. I thought this was a well-designed match where it felt like anyone could win at any time. And really, for me, personally, that's really all you want in a match like this. I think you want the believability that anyone could win. And there was a good chance that it felt like Kyle O'Reilly was going to finally get that moment. He has Adam Cole locked in on the heel hook. Locked in on the heel hook. But Karrion Cross comes from behind, locks him in the cross jacket, and puts him to sleep to defend his title. A great match. A great match. And I also want to say I'm ready for Cross to lose. Uh, Raquel and Ember was also really good. Uh, Bronson MSK versus Legato was pretty good. The middle matches were not were not so good. I was happy Zia Lee got a win over Mercedes Martinez. That was great. But yeah, that that's a bit that's all I really have from NXT. And let's preview Hell and Cell before we wrap it up. No. Huh? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, sounds good to me too. This Sunday is WWE Hell in a Cell, the final pay-per-view inside the Thunderdome. Um, comes kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting. I feel like that's not being hyped up nearly enough. This is the final pay-per-view inside the Thunderdome, hopefully forever. But 
Anyways, there are five matches currently scheduled with SmackDown ready to go down tonight. So let's just, you know, dive right in. There are four championship matches as all the world title matches have been made official. But there is one random one that I am not looking forward to. So let's kick that off. Alexa Bliss will face off with Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler is probably going to lose. I'm picking Alexa. I've been pretty good, you know, doing this show. I rarely, rarely talk about the Alexa stuff just because I don't care about it. And that holds through today. I still don't care about it. Not my cup of tea. If you like it, good for you. But, yeah, Bliss is going to beat Shayna, and we're all sad because it's just so lame. Shayna deserves so much better, but we're just not going to get that much better. So why ask for what we're not going to get? Rhea Ripley defends the Raw Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair. Huh. I mean, predicting a Charlotte match is never easy. That's for sure. I sit here thinking, what could possibly come out of this? I want to think Rhea gets the win. I do. But this is Charlotte we're talking about. And with fans coming back, I would hope that, hey, we're going to keep Rhea going. That being said, I think Charlotte gets the title here. Possibly loses it at Money in the Bank. Or eventually gets cashed in on. But, yeah, I think Charlotte's winning here. Just, blah. Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley face off inside Hell in a Cell with Bobby Lashley's WWE Championship on the line. This match could be really good uh, with the Hell in a Cell stipulation. I think, you know, these two had a really good match at WrestleMania. They had a great match with Braun Strowman at WrestleMania Backlash. So I really expect another great match here. Uh, I think, you know, despite the terrible booking on Raw for these two, they're two of the best right now in WWE, and their chemistry is out of this world. So inside the cell, I think they're going to have an excellent encounter that, to me, I think a lot of people are going to be excited for. Um, I am when I think of the match itself and not all the building towards it. Uh, I definitely could see it going well, but I'm picking Bobby to win. I think Bobby needs to win. There's no reason to take the title off of him. And after this, I hope they find something for Drew to dig his teeth into because these past couple months have been tough for him. The SmackDown Women's Championship is on the line as Bianca Belair defends against Bayley for the second straight show. This match, I think, will be better than their first match for the title since they've had a few. Um, Bayley's slowly falling into insanity and I think that is a storyline that not a lot of people are catching on to you know the laughing uh, they could just say that's because she's just doing that but I think this is an insanity type thing and I think Bianca wins here and this will be the breaking point for Bailey Bailey's character is going to undergo a change where she just doesn't know how to win she's just going insane she probably explodes on people I'm really looking forward to that because I think that's the next level. When I say goes insane, I don't mean go down the Alexa Bliss route. Please do not do that with Bailey. I think this could be very exciting. Maybe she could have some matches with a Liv Morgan, 
per se, but I just don't want her to fall out of the main event. And when Money in the Bank comes around, this could be a good time for Sasha Banks to return. Um, you know, Money in the Bank presents a whole other caveat, and I think with Sands returning, you're going to want to cash in very soon. So a lot of interesting um, possibilities here, but Bianca's winning, that's for sure. Universal Champion Roman Reigns. Defense against Rey Mysterio inside Hell in a Cell. This is the main event of the evening. If it's not your main event of the evening, it's my main event of the evening. And this is my show, so that works out beautifully. I think this is going to be fantastic. The match of the night. Roman Reigns hasn't missed, and he's fighting Rey Mysterio. So I can only imagine that this is going to be a beatdown, but it's going to be a good one, just like the one with Jimmy. And I, uh, not Jimmy J last year, but I think it'll be even better. Um, I'm picking Roman to win. There's no way Roman loses this match, but I could see Roman, uh, not Roman, Ray putting up a great fight on Father's Day. This is going to be an emotional match, and I think, I think it can be special. I hope it's special. I think Ray's a very underestimated competitor still to these days. I think him in his older age still can go, and I'm really excited to see what he does with Reigns because this is a brand new match. And as we've seen, over nearly the past year, Roman has been elevating people to his level. So if you don't think Ray is still on that main event level that he once was, I think this is going to be phenomenal. That's Hell in a Cell. We'll review it next week. Be prepared for that. Maybe we'll do a special review show, depending how good the show is. Otherwise, definitely expect it on the regular show. But that's it from me this week. You can follow me at Scott E. Wrestling on Twitter. You can check out... My articles on Last Word on Sports, Voices of Wrestling, Inside the Ropes, and Daily DDT. So please uh, make sure to go out of your way to check all that out. And until next time, have a good one, guys. また美学でしょう